Hello and welcome back to the Not So Fit Couple podcast with your hosts, Lucy Davis. I'm Benjamin Holden. So, today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Fabletics Men. I am, of course, and have always been a Fabletics ambassador and athlete. Now, I actually wear Fabletics all the time, don't I? I'm wearing mm. Fabletics now. It's been ages now. How long has it been? Two and a half years. I think so. This is this is like my comfy wear that I've got on today. What do you call this type of top? Athleisure. Oh. Henley. I don't it's think it's actually called a Henley. I'll pop the name up on screen. Sorry, Carla, there's another job for you. Um, and I've got my comfy short joggers on. And my it is lovely. Cloud sliders. It's like athleisure though, it's isn't great, it? It's great, yeah. I, wear I'll, I will tell you a little bit more about Fablex later on the podcast and some of the offers that are currently on as I'm dripping in it today. But today's podcast also, do you want the fun fact? Oh yeah, I forgot about fun facts. There we go, fun facts. Fun fact Wednesday. It doesn't really roll for tongue, does it? Yeah. We better if it was Fun Fact Fridays. FFF. Well, it's actually good on a Thursday, so Fun Fact Thursdays. Yeah, close enough. Mm. Disgusting. Okay, so this one's very rare. It is very rare, but has been known to happen. It's called Coffin Birth. What are you thinking? I don't know, but it doesn't okay. sound very nice. It's a phenomenon that occurs when a pregnant woman delivers a child spontaneously after death due to gases that build up in the abdominal area, putting pressure on the mother's uterus and forcing the baby out of the birth passageway. One example of this was divorced, uh, sorry, discovered in 2010 in the grave of a me- medieval woman who was buried in Italy. With modern embalming techniques, this doesn't really happen anymore, but it has, has happened. So you're like, say if you die at like 80 or 90. I'm guessing she's the woman who died wasn't 80 or 90 because the, the the women that old have children. Very, very unlikely, isn't it? Yeah. How wow, weird is that though? It's very, gas is building up inside of you. Yeah, I mean, if I was to release anything, it'd be, massive it'd be fart. bigger than the child. It'd be a massive log. Massive pump. <laughs> Why does that always get you the giggles? Fart. I was just thinking of the child humor. I was actually humor. today before this podcast, guys. We went over something called the phonic alphabet. Is it called the oh. phonic alphabet? Mm-hmm. And I got up to the letter J. Okay, let's go. Most of them were wrong. Start again. Let's go. Let's see what you got. Alpha, beta, no, bravo, bravo, Charlie, yeah, Delta, yeah, Echo, yeah, Foxtrot, yeah. Golf. Yeah. Not Not ham. ham. (laughs) Happy. No, I'll give you clues. You stay in one. House. Nope. You pay for one night. Hotel. Yeah. H I Igloo. Ice. It's a colour. Indigo. (laughs) I indigo. I Joe. No, it is a name though. Joseph. No, it's a female name. Josephine. A very old female name. Did it, did it, did it, did it, Juliet. Juliet. JK. Kite. No, it's a way that you weigh something. Kilogram. How much? Kilo. Kilo. H-I-J-K-L. Lima. Yeah. Michael. Mike. Mike. Nemo. <laughs> Nemo. <laughs> Why would the I thought Nemo? you were saying Nemo. <laughs> it's a month. November. Yeah. Oh. 
the name. Ox. To piss. Yeah, I'm trying to think of someone with the name. Ollie. He's in Shark Tale. Oscar. Yeah. P. Phantom. <laughs> Phoenix. I've actually got a P as myself now. L-M-N-O-P. Oh, it's uh, y- your dad. P. Papa. Papa. That's weird. <laughs> no, P. <laughs> it's your dad. Yeah. Q. I don't think you get this Quince. No. Quince. Q. No. Quince. I'm going to say if you want to get Quebec. Quebec. Ridiculous. And then I'm going to Q-R- Rabies. <laughs> that what you what are you saying then? Rabies. The opposite to Juliet. Romeo. Yes. Stealth. <laughs> Star. Stan. Stan. We all because we're good, taking Sierra. time. Sierra. Begin. Okay. S T Tango. Yeah. Unicorn. <laughs> what else? What you wear? If A uniform. Yes. Basically. It's basically the same, but not. Mm-hmm. Violet. Surely. Uh, uh, Victor. Victor. Walter. <laughs> <laughs> we, just said, we, we just said W before. No, we didn't. We did, no, water. What's your dad Whiskey. drink? Whiskey. There you go. W. Exilophone. Exilophone. Exilophone, is it? Yeah. Exilophone. No. X-ray. Yeah. X-ray. X. Uh... Yankee, yellow. Yeah. Yankee, zoo. Almost. Zebra. Say it in a drinking game, lads. Do it. Get it down, you warrior. Get it down, you Z- chief. Zeus. Zulu. There you go. Now you got there. Fucking hell. Don't that ever was the let... most stressful moment of my life. Don't ever let Lucy read out anything out on the telephone well, or before a police officer. The reason we got on this conversation the first time that me and Ben basically got together and we're talking like three and a half, four years ago. He's, he he read out his postcode with all these, like, just saying names. I was like, what have you just done? I was like, they're not going to, what, what have you just done? He's like, it's called the um, the phonic alphabet. Yes. And I think people who work with phones know the phonic alphabet. Because mm-hmm. when I'm on the phone, I'm like, Murph and mum. <laughs> I think I use... Or for umbrella. <laughs> I tend to use it more so because I've got a bit of a scout twin, so people often yeah. don't really know what I'm saying. Have you ever had it, though, where you've said it and then someone on the other end of the phone's been like, Sorry, I don't know what that no, is. Never, you know. No, never. Because if you just say it, you know what the start of the, the letter is. Don't yeah, you? no, that's true. Yeah. Anyway. Today's podcast, we're going to do yeah. some Q&As. Basically, we're lazy and we're running out of content. <laughs> and it's, we've taken some questions from Instagram from people. And I think it's relevant because it'll probably help a lot of other people. These are quite a mixture of questions they as are. well. Well, I don't know what yours are. You don't want mine or? No, because this is how we used Rock, to do it. Rock, paper, scissors, goes first. Three, two, one, go. Yes. I'm so good at rock, paper, scissors. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I beat Matt as well. No, I beat Matt does fitness as well. He's like, best of three, absolutely not. I mean, that's not rock anymore, is it really? It's more like male. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the way we usually do it is I ask Ben a question, he starts to answer it, and then he'll do the same for me. So question number one, and I feel like this is one that I needed to pick because it's always, always asked. Do you have any good book recommendations? Oh, well... Just just like that, right next to me, there's books. Um, okay, Lucy's got some of the books that I'd have to recommend. I do, this one that Lucy's passed me now, I recommend this to a lot of people just because I know some of the people I've spoke to in the past have suffered with eating disorders, and this is a big one. Um, so it's not one of my top three books that I'd recommend for everyday reading, but I think this one would be very helpful, helpful to people. It's called Brain Over Binge by Catherine Hansen. 
Uh, it's a woman's story as she gives, well, she gives her story on binge eating and to give hope and perspective and common sense cure. This actually really changed the game for me when I was trying to overcome mm-hmm. my eating disorder. It gave me a lot of common practices that don't cost anything to do. And basically, obviously, you don't need a therapist. You can just read the book and go through it and it really helps shed some light for me. So that's number one. That's not in my top three, though. Um, one of the ones that is in my top three, I'd say, is potentially the top one. We haven't got the book here. That is Chimp's Paradox. Yeah, that's the same for both of us, but I don't know where that book has gone. It's Chim- our favourite book, and it's just not here. Yeah, Chimp's Paradox is great because I think it, it puts a very difficult topic and uses very good analogy. I'm, I'm one of those people who's big on analogies. Yeah. I enjoy an analogy because it helps me relate to something that is fucking pissing down with rain isn't it right now i really hope it doesn't rain like that on our event because that is just silly behavior yeah, people will be dead the heavens have absolutely just opened it's like bullets raining down it's on absolutely people crazy behavior okay book number two mm-hmm. is and this is going to be controversial for some people but yeah. he's a great i don't know even why i say it's controversial it's not no controversial. i think i know i think it is for some I people i think it's controversial for, for absolute extreme feminists feminists and the vast population of the world is not extreme feminists so Mm. it is jordan peterson's 12 rules of life very good book but is also quite a difficult read i you need to be willing to sit down spend the time and sometimes reread things that he said because they are quite complex yeah it's quite a a couple of analogies to religious stuff as well um i'm not religious but they're quite interesting it delves back into some parts of history um and it's 12 rules for life for actually really good when you think about and then you put the stories in practice as well of of what he's both lived and what he's sort of real world experimented with as a clinical psychologist it's a really good book um we're just gonna do top two but okay that's fine and then the the book i'm reading this is just the book i'm reading at the moment it's not my favorite book um for those who are listening it's called the sports gene inside the science of extraordinary athletic performance just started that this week just on the first chapter good read Lovely. So I also had Chimps Paradox. That is one of my favorite books. It's so useful to differentiate between your chimp and your human. And it's basically your emotions and how you feel in certain situations and reacting to them and why we do it. It's just a really great book. I've read it twice now. One of, I'll just give my second book, is Atomic Habits. So this is such a good book. It's by James Clear. It's phenomenal. It's got so many nuggets. I feel as well, sometimes with books, people can be overwhelmed, but this is broken down really nicely into the four stages of habit building. So that's a really good book. You can apply it to everyday life. It's actually interesting that you've picked that book. Ooh, is that only one of our questions? Can I just show the one that I'm reading at the moment? Yeah, of course you can, So I'm actually reading a novel at the moment, and I can't remember the last time I read a novel. It has a... Flying for that one, yeah, bloody hell. Yeah, I know. Started it a couple of days ago, and it's just really good. It's got a Ron Weasley bookmark in. I did a podcast with Anita Reed, and he actually gave me this book, which was really kind of him, as a recommendation because I said I don't enjoy reading novels. I haven't been able to put it down. It's really good, and it's, it's a bit of a break from the self-development books. Yeah, I love reading self-development books. It's all I read. But sometimes you just want to kind of dive off into a, mm. a good book as well. But I'm assuming the person who asked this question was more so asking for the self-development kind of books, not as such the... Uh, do you know why? Do you know why for me probably the Chimps Paradox one is is my most recommended because what, do you know like when you get in those situations sometimes and you're really really pissed off or you're really angry some angry of something or mm-hmm. someone and you know that you could do something that you're going to regret. Once you've read that book, it kind of makes you stop and think about before you punch a hole through the wall or yeah. 
you break fingers because you've just swatted something around the house. Yeah. It, it honestly makes me think about, because it's about your chimp that takes over in certain situations, which are almost just like... Can't she, control. You can't control. And it almost makes you... It, it, it subconsciously makes you think about it so that when you're in those situations, like, shit, I'll stop and think about my next actions before they actually take place. Yeah. Which but is you what, have which to... You have to make it practical. Yeah, yeah. That's the, I think that's the way you do make yeah, it practical. Yeah, yeah. Okay. My first question is, is... Uh, well, mine's quite a health and fitness-based question. Is is BMI a good indication of health? Okay, so it's hard to just differentiate what, what health is. Yeah, I feel like that's true. always one of the common things that people say is what actually is health. I personally think... For the everyday person, potentially if you're an individual who's obese or morbidly obese, BMI can show you that. It can show that you're overweight. However, BMI doesn't take into consideration certain factors such as bone density, muscle mass. For example, I at one stage, I was nearly overweight on BMI purely due to I'm heavier due to my muscle mass. So it was kind of like, oh, your BMI isn't technically healthy. Mm-hmm. However, I am a healthy individual. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very particular on the person and depends on the situation as well. Yeah. In terms of how you're using it. I think for the everyday person, it's probably okay to use. Yeah. But it shouldn't be relied upon as like, wow, okay, your BMI is yeah, this. Yeah, of course, there's, be- there's better indicators. I think my, my sort of ethos on this is, is that you take this equation... BMI plus common sense is a good indicator. Is a good indicator, mm. and what I mean by that is a lot. You hear a lot of people in the in the health and fitness space or bodybuilding space say, "Oh, BMI is a good indication because massive." Yes, we know, we know, dickhead. Yeah. But not everyone is massive. Not everyone is holding fifteen, twenty, thirty pound of muscle on the on the frame. The general pop is not holding that much muscle. So for the general population, BMI is actually a pretty good indicator of where, I suppose, the definition of health may be at. The place that it's not a good indicator is if you've got someone like Arnold Schwarzenegger or a rugby player who is clearly muscle-bound and doesn't fit fit into that category. But the general population isn't a professional rugby player or isn't Arnold Schwarzenegger, hence why it is actually a good indicator. And that's why I say BMI plus common sense is a good indicator. I I nearly failed my police... Um, vetting process because I was nearly I was I was in the category of obese. Obviously, I'm not obese. I'm just an absolute house. <laughs> you got so, a lot of muscle mass, and it's obviously exactly. But that's why dense. I say common sense. So you apply common sense to the situation. If you're looking at someone and thinking, do you know what? He's just a large individual that's built himself up in the gym. Mm-hmm. He's obviously not obese. But for the general population who aren't built like that, BMI is actually a good indicator. Yeah, I think it's obviously good as well in terms of both ends of the spectrum when you're talking about people who are severely underweight and they're kind of in denial that they're severely underweight and they go to a GP and all of this. I guess that can be helpful, same as the other category. Again, general population, if you're going into the the stages of morbidly obese, your GP is going to help you in terms of being like, hey, this is the situation. Do you know what isn't good with that? And I think it's this policy that has changed recently because I was speaking to someone about it on Instagram the other day and it's 
there was actually a cut-off point, I think it was BMI or with weight, I think it was BMI, that you wouldn't be referred to a therapist or have any intervention to do with disorderly eating until you met a certain criteria of somewhere on the scale of the BMI, which is fucking ridiculous, by the way. There's, there's not there's not a weight category well, you, you for could, every eating you, disorder. You could, you could be obese and have an eating disorder. Yeah. How ridiculous is that? Yeah. I didn't I didn't I had an eating disorder and I was on the end of nearly being obese uh, mm. with the BMI. This is what I mean when I'm saying BMI plus common sense. Mm-hmm. For for the for the general public, yes, it's a good indicator for when it's fallen into those those categories of of medical condition, disorderly in or absolute brick shit house <laughs> it doesn't apply yeah it's very Kay. good very nice. Move on. Nice. okay good. question number Great. two how do you deal with pressure mm. and pressure's a very so pressure's quite a big umbrella there's a lot of things that hold under the you umbrella i'm being a jellyfish no this is the umbrella pressure and these are all the things that are underneath it it's a palm tree <laughs> <laughs> isn't it Palm tree. Okay, Yay. so uh, what, what's the question you're asking me then? Because you're, you're talking about umbrellas Sorry. and palm trees. How do you deal with pressure? It's very. I think that's a very general question. How do I deal with pressure? But it is a general question. Um, I think I kind of touched on this in the podcast of a week when I said about the experiment that I did in sports studies where all the guys around me shout and cheering. There's different ways that we deal with pressure and stress. A certain amount of pressure and stress is is a good thing because it helps us perform. And there's different types of pressure, obviously, then that, that are kind of in the workplace, that are in us in ev- everyday life. <sighs> How to deal with pressure. I think, I suppose, one of the tools that I'll often use if I'm feeling pressured is just a simple pen and paper. I think if sometimes if I can dump the shit that's on my mind onto a piece of paper, it helps take things away. I think the other thing is, if it's not something that requires immediate action, I'll talk to someone about it first mm-hmm. because that helps relieve a lot of pressure because you'll often get inside your own head and make decisions and think things and think that people are thinking certain things about you or it's the end of the world when really it's not. Yeah. It's not the end of the world that you've posted something potentially not correct. Like no one really gives a shit. So just taking a step back sometimes and like I said before, looking at things through a telescope rather than a magnifying glass often helps just p- put things into perspective, especially when you dealing with pressure i suppose if you're in a high pressure environment where you've got to make quick decisions i think the thing that's obviously helped me is playing sports all my life where i've had to deal with pressure and deal with situations and i was always games captain sports captain so experience obviously helps when it comes to pressure for, for me personally the not so good side of when i've dealt with pressure is that i've tended to bottle stuff up quite a lot and then I'll just get to a point where I'm like a fucking pit bull of rage and I'll boot something or kick something or punch a wall and pet my hand, mm. <laughs> which isn't a very good de- way of dealing with pressure. But that's just one of the, th- the things that I've done and that's one of the things I potentially need to work on moving forward. I'm not perfect. It's something that I need to do. And I think that's why the, the gym's often been a good outlet for me to relieve pressure or or stress or, or whatever wherever it may be but yeah i suppose one of the ways that i've dealt with it not so well in the past is to just bottle shit up and just allow pressure to build until like a like a bottle it pops well that's one of the things that i noted on here was understanding that if you need help from someone else that you actually need the help yeah so 
you bottling things up, you should speak to someone. Other people bottling things up, whether you're in a work environment, whether you're an employee, whatever it is, speaking to other people, assessing the situation, actually being open about it can help relieve some of the pressure. It's not this, it's not that whole thing about a problem hard is a problem shared. Like you don't need to go down that route. It's just, you need to to realize what situation you're in. If it's getting too much and you feel really overwhelmed, talk to someone about it because communicating is so, so freaking helpful because it does help because stress falls into the element of pressure. You put too much stress on yourself. There's too much pressure. There's too much pressure to perform. There's too much pressure to feel good all the time or whatever it is. I, I have pressure to always perform on Instagram, to always perform on YouTube, to have that that idea that perfection that's not always going to be there and sometimes that's it's like self-perceived pressure you put that self-perceived pressure, pressure yeah and sometimes it's accepting that but you basically already said what i said as well in terms of taking breaks taking time yeah. away from it looking back at the situation one of the things that i actually pulled up though which was interesting was stay clear of too much caffeine because even a lot of the time it's like a spiral when you're in a stressful situation you feel quite tired you feel quite fatigued, you feel quite run down and then you have caffeine mm. to boost yourself back up but it spikes your adrenaline so much, You a lot of the time you end up feeling worse, yeah. like heart palpitations, like so much energy, you don't know what to do with it and it doesn't actually help the pressure of the situation. Yeah. So just have a green tea uh, well, sometimes. I think one of the things that you're probably getting at there though more so is that Caffeine isn't the causation of pressure, though. It just no, it, no, no. It just and it everyone's different. Like caffeine for me doesn't make a situation worse. Mm. But I, again, I'm not overloading the shit out of it to the point where it's blowing my head off. Yeah. So it just depends on the individual, I suppose. You know, yeah, definitely. Like if I was feeling stressed or anxious, I probably wouldn't have a coffee. Do you know what the other thing as well is? And and this again is more. T- I think perspective is a very good thing when it comes to pressure. Having perspective of a situation, mm. and what I mean by that is I. I don't know if you remember not so long ago. Gave me the marble. I gave you the marble. So I bought, I should have got you to get it for this. I obviously know what the question was. We'll get on the next podcast. I bought Lucy this really small marble and it's like a little, it's a little globe world and it's really in detail, isn't it? You can see it on it. And when she was really stressed, I said to her, whenever you feel really stressed or you've got anxiety, put the marble in the middle of your hand, didn't I? I said like, look at, at the world and that's how, you can see how small your problem really is in the perspective of everything else. Mm-hmm. That small problem that's in your hand and you've still got control of it. And taking that step back sometimes you give situations perspective and takes that external pressure, the, the pressure that you put on top of yourself to deal with a situation that isn't even really there. You've created it inside your own little bubble. And once you step outside that bubble and have some perspective, it often takes the pressure off yeah. because you put pressure on a situation where at the end of the day, is anyone going to die if you don't make the best decision possible. Are you going to be okay? Is everyone around you going to be okay? Yeah, okay, cool. They're the kind of some sort of uh, markers you can use to relieve some of that pressure and stress from yourself to actually have a bit of real world seep into your bubble and take that pressure away. Yeah, I'd love my marble. Loving the marbles. I love my marble. We intervene this podcast for me to put this subtle plug in the middle to Fablet X-Men. And no bullshit, the reason I like and have been with Fablet X for the past two years is because with the, with the clothing, the apparel that they launch, they don't put any clunky branding or logos and stuff everywhere and keep stuff very minimal and the quality is great. Like, 
and it's not godly priced like Nike or Lululemon stuff is. I also literally wear it in and outside of the gym, which is great for me because I'm a pretty lazy person, so it means I can go to the gym, I can chill before, chill after, not have to get not have to get changed about a million times in a day and just stay in apparel that I can use for multi-purposes. And now there's more value for money because if you are in on the VIP membership, which is also free to sign up to, you can spend £49 and you will get a credit worth of £70. So if you spend £49, you get £70 worth of clothing. Also with the VIP membership, you will get large discounts between 50 to 55% off all items and you can get the shorts. I'm going to flash on screen. These are some of the shorts that I was running in this week in Manchester. These are my favorite shorts. I think these are in the fire color. I wear a size medium and you can actually get two pairs of the shorts for just £24, which is £12 a pair, which is sick. With VIP, you can also shop or skip the month or cancel at any time if you need to. And also don't forget to click on my name in the little quiz on the Fabletics site as well, because it just helps me. But I will leave the links to Fabletics product in the description for you to find out more about the VIP membership. Back to the pod. Okay, my next one is, and this is why I said about the habits, free habits that have changed your life, go. Oh, wow, okay, that's a, okay. A morning routine. That is technically one habit, isn't it? In mm-hmm. terms of the habitual routine. Yeah. Three habits that I've changed my life. I can go my... first if you're struggling. Yeah, can I have a bit of a yeah. think? Okay, so the, the one that I thought why it's interesting, reading, for me, it's, it's changed my life. And the reason why is because it just, it mentally stimulates me first thing in the morning. It just like, and I can't do anything else whilst I'm reading. I can't be multitasking, doing other shit, doing things that I don't want to do. And it just gets me prepared for the day and putting something either fun or informative in my head or something that I can relate to just really puts me in a good mindset first. That leads on to my second one, which is not going on the phone until after I've done my reading and some other bits that I've kind of sharpened the pencil first. And the big reason for that is like, even if you go and stuff, online or on social media or on your phone or you've got messed up people even which are potentially positive you can always perceive things in a different way when you're quite vulnerable first thing in the day before you've really got yourself ready to deal with other people's issues or problems so that one for me has really helped and then the third one which again comes back to morning is training in the morning i always used to be one of those people i think it was more like one of those bro things i used to just meet with the lads train nail a pre-workout, dry scoop, go in, bash arm and chest day. And that was always five o'clock type of thing. Mm. And I think training in the morning for me is just another one of those things where I'm sharpening the pencil first thing in the day to be able to attack the rest of the day rather than doing it later. And it just, because if I've got morning anxiety as well, then one of the things that for me completely fucks it, like we spoke about in the other episode, is training. It just helps me relieve a lot of stress. Yeah, And also it um if you're one of those people who potentially has things going on later in the day like getting it done first thing in the morning means that even if things crop crop up after work or things come up or you've got kids or whatever it may be then at least you still got the rest of your evening to deal with anything else that potentially comes up on unplanned does that make sense Mm -hmm. so you (laughs) i said morning routine and you summed up our morning routine in three points because i was breaking them down to yeah yeah yeah. morning routine is, is like quite yeah so obviously in that i absolutely agree with the reading but i'm not gonna that's 
will agree with that. That's both a shared habit. Yeah. For me, um, the habit of going downstairs when I know that I need to go to sleep. Because yeah. sometimes we go to bed at different times. I, I'm in the habit now yeah, of going job. down at a certain time, lights off. I tell Alexa to play peaceful meditation, have my salt lamp rock on. I think that's a habit for me because I've continually yeah, done yeah. it for months and it helps me, sends me off to sleep, spray my, my sleep spray. And the final one I think, is actually not, it's more so great. I think the final one for me is actually running. There's been, I've been running now for like six or seven months, probably a bit longer. In the past couple of months when it's been a bit cold, it's been a bit dreary, I'm not like, oh God, don't really want to go for a run. I think the habit is so strong now because I know how much I love it. Whether it's a good run or a bad run, I'm not really feeling it. I will always be thankful and happy that I've done that run, whatever the distance, whatever I've done. It's kind of a habit that I've got into. I've made it a habit. You've made it a habit. Yeah, so I think running, running, reading, and whatever the other one, sleep. It's exactly the same with anything else because you, at first you were motivated to do it, but eventually at some point motivation is not going to be there which is why we need to form it as a habit for you to continue to do it as part of your routine. So 100% you've done it. The other thing which is important that like you, you touch on was the sleep thing because we do, we don't go to bed different times. I mean, it's like 20 minutes between us, but that 20 minutes for me is the difference between me lying in bed. And I've spoken to people, I suppose we did it on a sleep podcast where your bed should be a place where you go to sleep. And if you can't sleep, you shouldn't just be lying, rolling around in bed because it creates negative or unhealthy associations with, you being in bed mm. so i come down 20 minutes later when i'm a bit more tired and that i'm going to nod off to sleep and also i get really hot and fidgety and just not tired and everyone's circadian different can be uh, everyone's circadian rhythm can be slightly different i speaking to carl about this the other day and how not everyone's suited to go to bed and wake up at certain times which is why i don't 100 percent agree with the whole nine to five culture that we're still living at the moment which i think is very dated because people work um optimally across different time ranges mm. And it's one of those things as well, I would never force you to be like, come down to bed when I go to bed. And you'd never be like, stay up. because Unless we're watching a film. Unless we're watching a film. Would you best watch the end of this film, Biatch? Yeah. But I think that's one of those things in a relationship, you don't like grow up. You don't have to go to bed at the exact same time. They're going to get in the bed with you. Yeah. I th- do you know what I mean? I think it's one of those things where you just have the conversation, like don't force each other to go to yeah, bed. Most of the time, especially on weekends, we always person. do anyway. Yeah, but just in the week, it's like, oh, or sometimes you're like, I'm knackered, I'm going now. It's like, all right, then no probs. Yeah. Okay, this one's a really good question. It's actually oh. still talking about relationships, but it's a really interesting one. Shoot. Is it bad to not want to be in a relationship with someone because they don't keep fit? Okay. Another part of her question as well was saying, "How can I get my partner to become That's, fit?" I mean, it's or, it's quite a touchy yeah. subject, isn't it? It's, it is it's really difficult, and it's multifaceted. Mm-hmm. And we spoke about this on the Emma uh, Emma Story Gordon podcast as well about I couldn't be with someone who wasn't into fitness, and it wasn't their passion, because for me, it's what makes what I do so much better being able to share it with someone and being able to share it with you and that's one of the most that's one of the strengths of our relationship mm. and you 100% can convert people like the, the question is relating to you can convert people into enjoying fitness and I think everyone should be encouraged to participate in health and fitness and I think that for a lot of people 
who get into health and fitness, it does become addictive, and that's that's great. It's just it's almost getting people to take those first steps. For me, like selfishly or not, I think sometimes you need to be selfish. It's it's for me saying I don't want to be with someone who isn't into that. I don't want to have to coach someone into that. I want it to be a passion as well. It's just one of the non-negotiables for me. So that's why it was there. But for people who potentially looking to get their partner into health and fitness, one of the I suppose one of the don'ts would be not to ridicule people, not to punish people, or not to guilt trip people into it. Because we know with basic human psychology, people don't respond to punishment or people don't respond to being embarrassed or shamed into exercise. We know that does the opposite. It demotivates people. So the thing that we've got to do is be careful with the language that we use, the way that we communicate with them and almost give people, well, not almost, we give people positive reinforcement to do it. So if we go, especially I think support is a big thing. People who are, have not done a lot of health and fitness or a lot of exercise before, the community, mm-hmm. community element is a big thing. And whether that community is just you and your partner, going the gym together is probably a big thing for them doing stuff with them doing stuff with them that they will enjoy because i think that's one of the biggest things for health and fitness we just lump ourselves into a program and expect to stick to it or expect expect to enjoy it i think doing something you enjoy first is the, is the best first step to do and doing it together and then off the back of that giving loads of positive reinforcement around it and not talking about being a sarky twat and be like oh you're so well done and not all that stuff like patting on the back i'm talking about giving genuine positive reinforcement and like being proud of someone for doing stuff uh showing a level of appreciation any ways that you can reinforce those positive behaviors helps it become more of a habit and then i'm sure they'll grow in and enjoy it more and more and more and it may it'll may kind of push them into different avenues that they didn't ever think they would get into yeah that was such yeah that was honestly such like a perfect answer because you <laughs> you can't force someone to do something they don't want to do. And I, so like you said, one of your non-negotiables is being with someone who looks after themselves in terms of health and fitness. That's that's one of my non-negotiables. Like it, it just is. And we've, we talked about it really heavily with Chris having three non-negotiables in a relationship. And I think potentially for us as well, it's our job. Like if, I was with someone who didn't train. They'd be like, you're in the gym all the time. You're running all the time. You're filming yourself all the time. And there might be some sort of disconnection there and a bit of awkwardness and you can't force it upon them. That's their choice. Like I would never just date someone who sits in their room 24-7 on a Game Boy. Yeah. Yeah, For example, it's just just personal personal preferences or your non-negotiables, as you said. But encouraging people... Not being patronizing, I think it's like a good way to go about, which is what you were saying, being encouraging, being supportive, being like, do you, know, do you, want, do you want to like, nip, do you want to come to the gym with me? Like kind yeah. of having it in a very conversational way and just having like a general conversation with them about it as well. If you do want to get your partner into fitness, not just the gym, it could be anything. It could just be going yeah. for a walk every day with you. Yeah. It doesn't have to be going to a gym environment. On that note as well, I think it's com- completely okay to say I don't want to date someone, I don't want to be with someone who doesn't do this or, mm. or have certain criteria where you you set and have those non-negotiables like we spoke in the Emma podcast because I think a lot of people are just like, oh, you know, you should be open to everyone and anything. Why the fuck should you? You're allowed yeah. to have some likes and dislikes in life. Yeah. You don't have to be a complete neutral and sit on the fence of everything. everything. I don't think it's discriminating against people to say, oh, I don't, I, I don't like 
girls with blonde hair. I'm not saying that, by the way. I'm saying you you can yeah, yeah. you can be allowed to say that. You can have preferences. People just get so PC about everything and don't have any likes and dislikes because they feel duped into feeling that they've got to accept everyone. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. You can have likes and dislikes. One of mine is that I just don't want to be with a slob. <laughs> and thankfully you weren't one. <laughs> yeah, no, that was really, really perfect answer. Okay. Hopefully answered the yeah. question as well. Okay, next one for me. This is the final question only. I had this next one, but we I think we'll... We'll do this one, see where it takes us. How do you stop hunger and cravings? Okay, so there's... I think there's a big one, by the way, because this gets asked a lot, a lot. And I think it'll be off the back of the podcast we did the other week through winter and stuff. There's a lot of temptation and stuff about, so... Yes. Well, I'm just going to... There was a study, and I don't know where it's gone now, but there is a difference between hunger and cravings. Mm -hmm. Hunger is when you actually have physical symptoms. You feel your tummy rumbling, you get dizzy, you feel fatigued, you actually are hungry. Cravings, you could be bored, you could be emotional, you could just be looking for food. You don't actually feel hungry. So one of the first things is differentiate, am I bored, am I just wanting some food? Or is my tummy rumbling, do I feel dizzy, have I not eaten enough today? That's, I think, one of the first things to do is just differentiate them. Yeah. As a woman, your four-week cycle, you're going to feel different throughout the whole cycle. Have a little checkpoint, just see where you're at in that. Because if you suddenly start, really start craving like sugary foods, like I crave chocolate. Hello, like wow. When when I'm in PMS. So for women, certain different points of the cycle, have a little look, check in with yourself. Yeah. I obviously don't know that situation for guys. Obviously, they don't have periods, but there'll be some sort of insulin spike drop after training, post-training, which happens as well. But yeah, it's more so just understanding that you're not actually hungry, that you're just bored. But a lot of the time people are bored or you're dehydrated. The first thing people do is they go for food rather than hydration. A lot of the time when people are actually craving something, they're just actually really thirsty and they're a bit dehydrated. Get yourself a pint of water and you probably won't even remember that you wanted that chocolate bar. Yeah. That's one of the big ones is, is keeping busy. Keeping busy is one of the biggest ones. We were speaking about this yesterday, how, especially if on a Saturday, I suppose, for us, because we usually go out and do shit, is that But if I, if I have, like, a decent breakfast after we trained, so, like, for example, on Saturday, we went out for a, not, like, a full English, but it was a, a cooked-up brekkie, mm-hmm. and then... Until later on when we had tea, apart from a protein cookie, I wasn't hungry. And that was just because we were out in Manchester all day, shopping, doing a few bits. When you when your mind is on other stuff, you don't really get as hungry. So I'll have like a brekkie and then we'll have tea, like a big tea later on. I'm not hungry for the day then. Yeah. Uh, and that brings me on to the other one, which is around snacking. And it's just for, it's just for most people, uh, they end up being bored of eating instead of, of being mindful. Again, like when you just sit in the house, you're snacking. And... I even tend to do this from time to time when we're in the house a lot and I get into lazy habits. But the best thing to do is just ha- is have another meal. Instead of just having snack after snack after snack and, and trying to like save calories or be wise with them, enjoy making something, whip something up. It even takes a bit of time to do to do that because if if you're that hungry, you will, you will make the meal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just, the, a lot of the, the reason is that people just grab a snack because it's easy on the go. Mm-hmm. and if they have to, have to cook something it's like oh well I'm not actually that hungry to, to prepare a meal 
Yeah. So that, that's always a good one is, and also if you, if you do make the meal, you'll be fulfilled for longer and it's generally going to be nicer as well. So even with snacks, if you are going to have a snack, have something substantial, have a bagel, have a yogurt, have some toast, even a small sandwich. You know, something which is a bit more than uh, a, a breakfast bar yeah. or a, a quick chocolate bar or, or have something that's actually going to fill you up and it'll take a little bit of time to eat and make them whatever as well. Yeah, definitely. Just something here on cravings. This is what I've read before. A lot of the time, cravings over hunger are comfort foods and they stem from negative feelings. So when you're craving things, like I said, you're bored, you might be sad, you might be emotional, you might be angry. That I think cravings is a bit more situational. Yeah. And once you start, sometimes you can't stop. Whereas if you're hungry you actually physically, I need food. Like, I need to eat right now. Yeah, yeah. So, just, even if people can kind of just think that in their heads a little bit, like the chimp and the human, that's your chimp is a craving. Yes. Your human's like, look, okay, you're actually hungry. So people are going to have to stop paying us a book this book, you know. I know, get us a commission link, Chimp's Paradox. No, it's a really fantastic book though. You can grab it off Amazon, it'll arrive next day, delivery you've got Prime. And the other thing, mm. protein. Yeah, protein is protein very makes. satiating. So they're showing that protein is by far the most fulfilling and satiating of the macronutrients. Satiation. It, also, it always helps you feel full for longer with and also having less food. And this is partially due to protein actually reduces your level of the hunger hormone, which is ghrelin. Mm-hmm. There's obviously some science behind it as Grilling well. Grilling and lifting. So yeah, getting some, getting some, getting enough protein in with a meal is a big one. Or having a, that's why protein shake for a lot of people. Although it doesn't seem like a lot. Getting a protein shake in, mm-hmm. even though that's on the go, sometimes will often leave you more fulfilled than just basically snacking on shit. Yeah, hundred percent. They yeah. were great. Do you know what's so great about those questions as well? They're all quite vast. Yeah. They kind of stem from health and fitness and well-being. Yeah. They all have different elements. Got a bonus question for you. Oh, go on. Just a quick. We'll do five for this one quickly. Is it a quick fire? Yeah, and I suppose this one's more. This one's more aimed at me because I pulled it from my Instagram, um, so it might not be as relevant to you. So I can lead with it, and then you can okay. go into it. Why do you not like? Or why do you not like or favor hit? Do you want me to go into? Yeah, you can dive okay. in first. So, so for me, I do. I I do not dislike hit however i dislike it for fat loss which is generally the term that people are asking about and the reason why is because it actually doesn't burn that many calories and two it's actually very demanding because it is high intensity so mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to keep it up for very long because it is so, so impactful high intensity exercise is very impactful on the body on the joints and it's harder to recover from because it's higher higher fatigue higher fatigue ability so Something like lower intensity is going to be able to kept up for a longer period of time. And also, a hell of a lot of people would just benefit more from lifting weights and dieting over just doing hit. Some guy asked me the other day, he does hit every single day for the week. I was like, mate, just go in, lift weights. And also, you if I put this on story, if you lift a couple of times a week, you, you'll be more adherent to your diet because the, the good hormones and the endorphins that get released from doing lift you once you're doing both at the same time you're probably more likely to adhere to your diet because you're in a good routine with lifting as well and feeling good from it i would also argue that it's not training it's just exercising because it's hard to overload and progressing and yeah it is is good for health metabolic function and improving like your general well-being and fitness but for building strength for building muscle 
if we're losing fat, which is what a lot of people's goal is, we tend to deal with as clients, it's just not ideal. Yeah, I think that's completely it. People think it's like the magical tool for fat loss, yeah. but you're going to be doing that much hit. Your joints are going to be absolutely frazzled yeah. because people start getting this routine of they're doing hit sessions five times a week and Too they're much. doing these crazy exercises. And it's more so just like you've you've lost the pattern of control yeah. along the way. And you're probably just doing hit now because you you sweat. You sweat a little bit more, you know. I sweat a little bit in my weight sessions, not drastically, upper body, not at yeah. all. People have this sensation of, oh my God, sweat, sweating is losing fat. It's absolutely not. You're actually just dehydrating yourself yeah. and you're going to drink back that that water anyway. Yeah, and you course. should be drinking back those electrolytes. It's really hard for people to get away from this notion of if you sweat all the time, sweat profusely, you're going to burn more fat and I think that's the draw people have to hit but they don't actually understand the long-term effects on their hips ankles and knees specifically which obviously is pushed quite heavily on social media like I do hit here and there well not not that often but I do dabble in it maybe one every so often but you're not doing it as your primary no no it's it's not at all my primary and like you said there are benefits to it and it gets people moving However, I definitely don't think it's the most efficient way for people to be moving in certain aspects of their training and whatever they're doing. And say, for example, if you're obese and you're looking to lose weight, going out for a walk would be more beneficial for you and your joints than jumping up and down your living room, putting yourself for a hit workout when it's actually, you know what, go for a walk and let's have a look at your diet that would be more beneficial to someone in that circumstance. I'll sometimes put it on the end of some people's training sessions, short, not not for anything even to do with the physical capacity of it, just for a bit of enjoyment. Yeah. But generally this question's asked in relation to fat loss and it is a shit way to lose weight. Yeah. So that's why, if you ever see me slag it off on stories on Instagram or anything, it's generally in relation to fat loss or building muscle because that's what I'm generally doing with a lot of clients. If you enjoy doing it, great. But, Try building some of the fundamentals of lifting it in there and you'll benefit way more than those from those. Hundred percent. I agree. Okay. Nice little bonus question there. Like that one. So guys, if you're watching on YouTube, we'd love it if you would subscribe, comment, like the video. If you are not watching on YouTube, head over. But also just to tell you to please leave a review on yes. Apple Podcasts. They don't do it on Spotify, which is weird because we've got a lot of Spotify listeners. However, yeah, please, please leave a review because Lucy's just been saying if you don't leave a review, she's going to come around to your house and post jellyfish for your letterbox. Jellyfish? Yeah. So really, I don't... <laughs> no, I just envisioned it. <laughs> you won't get it through the thing very well, would you? Why? Because its tentacles would just like flop yeah. through, yeah, like tentacles great. outside the door. Yeah. But yeah, you really don't want that situation to happen because you know, it's really snide. So just go on Apple Podcasts, <laughs> type in the Not So Fit Couple Podcast. <laughs> Leave a review. We honestly appreciate it so much. If you're on Apple Podcasts now, please do that. Drop it a little, a little cheeky review, and and you won't have a jellyfish. It's for pretty good, yeah, yeah. That's not a very nice sight to see when you're coming coming down the, uh, the stairs in the morning, is it? <laughs> oh no, it's not. And then yeah, please continue to re- just share on story. If you have any questions again, guys, after listening to the podcast, that you're like, mm, I'd like to deep a little bit de- uh, delve deeper into that. Feel free to drop any questions on the YouTube channel because they are always there. And then just remember, if you would like to pick up any Fabletics gear, then I will leave the the link in the description 
where you can get all the juicy offers and dizzy mate from there for some fantastic running lifting or everyday wear 100 percent. and we will catch you in next week's episode bye guys bye